Welcome to the third season of Courage Incorporated, produced by the Walrus Lab. Join me as we hear courageous and powerful voices from the world of business and policy who have the incredible task of directing the future of their industries with courage. I'm your host, Duncan Sinclair. In March 2011, we saw the start of a Syrian refugee crisis. It began with a violent government crackdown on public demonstrations and grew into a terrible civil war. Since then, more than 13 million people have either fled Syria or are displaced within its borders. In 2015 and 2016, Canadian communities banded together and welcomed 25,000 Syrians within months. As part of a national resettlement project, over 73,000 Syrians have now settled in this country to date. Our guest today is currently based in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. Tarek Haddad is a champion of peace, hard work, and giving back. He's been inspired by his father's work ethic in Syria, where he ran a successful chocolate business. He is also motivated by his belief that countries can't succeed without peace and his obligation to pay forward the welcoming generosity of Canadians who helped his family resettle here years ago. Through the Peace on Earth Society, Peace by Chocolate donates a percentage of product sales and provides subsidies on select chocolate products and volunteers with a diversity of peace initiatives. Tarek has been recognized by the Top 25 Canadian Immigrant Awards, an annual campaign by Canadian Immigrant Magazine that recognizes outstanding work by immigrants who have come to Canada and made a positive difference to our society. It's my pleasure today to talk to the co-founder and CEO of Peace by Chocolate, Tarek Hadhad. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tarek. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Tarek, as we get started, can you share a bit of the courageous journey that brought you to where you are today as a successful entrepreneur here in Canada? Absolutely. You know, my family and I come from an entrepreneurial uh, spirit, and we were really lucky to call ourselves proud Syrian Canadians uh, since we came here. But our story did not just happen all of a sudden since we arrived in Canada. We had a very rich history back home in Syria. And I believe since I landed in Canada in the opportunity of sharing the true value of entrepreneurship and change making and creating all of these chances and opportunities and lifting others to success. I'm a big believer that, you know, in life has more value when you seek significance and not only success. Uh, our history back in Syria, for those who don't know it, I come from a family that's been very well known for in chocolate making in Damascus. And our family is very well known as well for creating a product that's called we don't make chocolate, we make happiness. So we were happiness makers for almost three and a half decades in the country before the war that torn my immediate family apart, that killed many of my family members, and as well, it destroyed our factory. In 1986, my father started that chocolate factory from scratch after graduating. And then uh, later on in 1987, my father opened two shops of chocolate in Damascus. One was downtown Illinois on the way to the airport, and the company grew from there. So from a few pieces of chocolate at the home kitchen in Damascus, it grew to become the second largest chocolate empire in the entire region. It was exporting chocolate everywhere. Um, and my family and I, we truly have just been um, honored to be giving back to the communities that they were less fortunate around the city of Damascus and around major areas in Syria. 
But in, you know, we did not know that we can lose anything in the split of the moment. That's how we ended up as refugees in Lebanon. Uh, and as a refugee in Lebanon, I was quite surprised towards uh, how much negative perception is, was there against refugees, how much inhumane assumption uh, was there in the media, in the mainstream media, against any empathy or, or sympathy towards a refugee. And I truly started working right away to translate my experiences and my skills into an opportunity for a life for those who were just fleeing wars and persecution out of my home country. And I used my healthcare experience as a medical student at the time to really give people the chance to get healthcare that they need in Lebanon. And I believe that since then, I had two chances, whether I sit down and complain or whether I dig down and find solutions. I started really contacting all the embassies around the globe, and Canada was the only country that opened doors for me. So that's how I ended up in Canada, is because I am not a big fan of the winter, but I'm a big fan of warm hearts that Canadians have. I'm a big fan of how nice Canadians are, and I'm a big fan of how compassionate everyone in this country is towards those who are uh, fleeing countries like Syria or Ukraine or Afghanistan or Iraq. It doesn't really matter where you are born. I think what matters is we all come together in this country to share the spirit of um, being there for one human to another. And that's how we really ended up on the East Coast in Canada, in Nova Scotia, where the whole community of Antigonish has supported us to restart our business uh, that we really called Peace by Chocolate because we believe that peace is a noble value that everyone should fight for. Without peace, no one can go to work. You cannot build businesses. You cannot go to school. You cannot raise kids. You cannot do anything. And without chocolate, you cannot really have that much happiness. So we decided that this is the perfect marriage. And that's how we ended up really creating a, a chocolate empire again from scratch. And this time, not from zero, but actually from experience. And I truly believe that without the support of our community here in Nova Scotia, we didn't have been able to be where we are today. The company is growing really significantly uh, at, a, at a very, very um, incredible speed. And I cannot really wait to see what the future is holding for us. I, I you know, that the true history behind our story as well is that we are very passionate about storytelling. So I tell the story in every medium, shape or form that I can. So Tarek, I understand that your father started out life in engineering. And then, you know, pivoted with his entrepreneurial spirit to, you know, create the chocolate organization that he had that was incredibly successful in Syria. And, and that background and inspiration you, you talked very eloquently about. But there's also a courage to put a dream on hold. And as I understand your story, you were in your fourth year of medical studies at Damascus University before the war. And so when you came to Nova Scotia, you had to try to finish your education. Can you describe the challenges that led you to change your career direction and how do you think countries like Canada should acknowledge international learning and work experience so that more people have more choices when they come and live in this country? My father actually was that, uh, that inspiration for me. Since I, uh, since I was born, I truly believe that to become an entrepreneur, you have to be a risk taker. You have to try a different path. You have to try change. And that's exactly what my father did after he graduated as a civil engineer and then he decided you know, what impact was much worth, worthy than just the tuition that he paid for his engineering degree. And that's why he became an entrepreneur. That's why he became a chocolate maker. And then after I was born, you know, and after I became passionate about 
medicine. I was correlating between the two values and medicine and chocolate. Uh, medicine seeks to diminish pain and treat others. Chocolate seeks to raise happiness. And there is always that mutual connection between both of them. While I landed in Canada, I found out one of my friends was telling me, do you know if you landed in Toronto and you had a heart attack, it's safer for you to be in a taxi rather than being in the emergency room at the hospital. And then I asked him the question, why would I end up in a taxi to have a heart attack instead of being at the emergency room where it's much safer, where there'd be doctors around me? He said, just wait a minute, because do you know that 70% of cab drivers in Toronto are immigrant physicians, that they cannot go back to medicine, they cannot really practice again. And that was shocking to me. But at the same time, you, you have many moments in your life when you have a direction that you want to go through, but you need the, the, the final push. And I think that decision came after I found many roadblocks towards becoming a physician again or going into healthcare. And I decided to myself, you know, I can sit down and complain and become the victim, or I can translate my victorious skills into something that I can help my community with. And that's how I ended up actually translating everything I learned in medicine towards restarting the chocolate business. Many people find it surprising that, yes, actually, many things that you learn in medicine, other than the main things about the human body, but the skills that you really learn are going to help you down the road. And that's really what did for me. I believed in the starting of the business to, towards creating jobs for our community in Antigonish. And I believe that um, that was so rewarding and fulfilling more than anything else that I have ever done in my life. I am very passionate about uh, the community that helped us, and I'm very passionate about the reasoning behind advocating now for all of those international uh, talents, international skills. It is unfortunate. It's very unfortunate that Canada is still blocking international skills or talents from moving on with their lives in this country while they go back to the things that they are passionate about, the things that they love, like engineering or in pharmacy, um, in, you know, in many other high-end academia fields. And I really have lost track of how many people have texted me and emailed me after watching our movie. And they were telling me how much really I was so resonated with them because they found the exact same challenges that blocked us from reaching our destination that we wanted to, to go to. And they just changed the path of their lives. It is... Unfortunate still that many physicians are ending up uh, in many careers that they are not designed for, that they are not trained for. And it is unfortunate that uh, we are living in a healthcare crisis while the country is still moving really slow towards giving credits and uh, the, you know, the, uh, the qualifications needed to, towards those who are coming here from abroad and ready to contribute to the healthcare system or other fields that we find really huge labor shortage in. And it is, I think, um, that push that's going to create change. Again, you know, you need the moments of uh, inspiration. You need the moments of uh, the, the tap on the shoulder to, to change in the direction of your life. And I was lucky enough to have many people around me in the community that I called them family right away, were there for me in the times that I needed them the most, were there for me in thick and thin. Um, entrepreneurship has many peaks and valleys. And throughout the valleys, we appreciate it being in the peaks. And when, when we are in the peaks, we prepare ourselves for the next bigger peak. And I think that's all what entrepreneurship teaches you. The three things, renewal, 
reinvention, and resilience. Entrepreneurship is like jumping off cliffs and building a plane on the way down, as Reid Hoffman once said. And for me personally, the pivoting moment, the turning point in my life was when I had to make that decision uh, to switch from the thing that I was really thinking that I was born to do towards the thing that is now so rewarding and I will not take for granted for ever in my life to become a peace advocate in the first place, but at the same time, a public speaker and the CEO of uh, Canada's fastest the growing chocolate company right here at home in Nova Scotia, but also we're becoming a national and international brand. Tarek, there's no question that the story of your family is incredibly inspiring to so many of us. And if it's all right with you, I'd like to add in the story of your sister, Allah. And I understand that she has joined you in Antigonish and, and has joined you after, sadly, the loss of her husband and the reality of being a single mother and, and reconnecting with her family. And what did her experience sort of teach you about the experience and resilience of refugee women and children who are having to come and, and enter a new country? And as a result of this collective experience of your family, do you have some insights for us about what government and business needs to do to do a better job of supporting folks who are wanting to come and adapt and be part of a new society? My sister, Ella, and actually all the women in my family are my biggest inspiration. The, uh, the reason why I say that, um, they are the most, they, they were the hardest hit during the war. They were the hardest hit during the pandemic with so much isolation uh, due to the circumstances. And I truly believe that without their strength, without their courage, we wouldn't be here as a family in the first place. My sister, Ally is one of the closest family members to me. And I, I was really lucky to, um, to just see uh, how much of uh, inspiration she has been, not only to myself, not only to the family, but to all the women around her and to all the people around her, especially during uh, the war where she had to go through a hell of a journey to get to Lebanon. My family left Syria to Lebanon as refugees in March of 2013 when my sister was still stuck in Syria. And later that year, um, the Secret Service had just invaded their, their home, took her husband, and then he disappeared and he was killed. And my sister, Ala, couldn't really, uh, couldn't speak to anyone at the time. She was totally by herself with her two kids, uh, Sana and Omar. And then in 2000 and later 2013, she left the country and she arrived in Lebanon. She joined our family. Um, it was a huge relief for us. But at the same time, we knew that Canada was not accepting her application with us. So we ended up in Canada between December and January of 2016. Um, to December 2015 and January 2016. And then Ala was still back home in Lebanon. We didn't know if we would be able to uh, see her again. We didn't know if she would be able to join our family here in Canada. But uh, I'm very thankful for a community group called uh, uh, TryHard. And I think without them, you know, many families in Antigonish also without, would, would not be here. The community group as well care that brought my sister uh, right away in November of 2016, we welcomed Ala with her kids at the airport. And then she called into Ganesh home as well with us right after that. Uh, Ala now is the, uh, the store manager for Peace by Chocolate in the town of Antigonish. And she is very happy that uh, her kids are going to school. Uh, I am uh, very thrilled also for my sister that she just remarried last month. Um, there is actually a lot of lessons that I learned from my sister and my mother, which really are all around, how do you translate your sense of resiliency into the power of strength 
on others and really shine your hope and optimism. It is very difficult in the time of challenges and the time of crisis uh, to talk to people about hope. Uh, it's very hard to translate how you see a light at the end of the tunnel to someone else. How do you describe that? It is impossible. Alec kept that sense very vivid. And I can see it in her eyes that she knew everything is going to be okay. And she was the one who was going to come to us, you know, and tell us every time during even this business journey, during this immigration journey, and tell us that we're all going to be all right. You, you need that sense of assurance when you are living through a crisis. And I was, you know, I was always trying to make sure that my sister is um, telling her story. I think uh, she is a, a powerhouse. You know, Ayala um, always tried to make sure that she is translating what she learned um, into an opportunity for others really to learn and live through her experiences, whether through her stories that we that were published in our book, whether through her stories that were also told in the movie or the interviewers or the speeches that she has delivered. But at the same time, I am uh, very thankful for everyone really who had stepped in and really helped us to reunite again as a family, uh, to reunite with Ella, to reunite with my other sister as well, Wala, who arrived last year. I am... Um, I'm incredibly honored that uh, the, uh, the story of ours had pushed the limits with governments or with society and community organizations uh, to tell them what's possible with a little bit of kindness. And that's why I was the first Syrian to arrive in Antigonish in 2016. And now there is over 150 Syrians that they call Antigonish their home. Uh, I, was, I was really lucky to have found a big family in Antigonish for me. And at the same time, I am, uh, I'm still trying to remember. I'm still trying really to absorb all of the, the lessons that we all have learned. I really hope government and society can keep pushing the boundaries towards the integration journey for uh, families who come from abroad, for newcomers, but especially women, because it is a triple suffering for women when they come here to try to fit in without ruffling any feathers. And I think the beauty of Canada is that no one asked my family as a Muslim family to take off anything at the airport. We were welcomed the way we are. We were actually encouraged to share our culture, to share our tradition with the community and with the country that we are very proud now to carry the citizenship of. And I think my sister Ella, I wouldn't speak on in her time, but uh, she always said that she's really grateful to the opportunity to have a platform um, as a newcomer, to have a platform as someone who had endured so much to be able to, to, to make many friends in the town of Antigonish right now. As a, as a store manager, she meets people every single day from the community who really believe in her own mission, in her own journey. And I really, um, I really applaud as well my sister because she is the one who kept pushing in the idea towards um, how do we translate our business into a cause in the beginning? And it happened after the wildfires that happened in Fort McMurray in Alberta in 2016. And that's how we ended up not being a business that cares so much about profit, but we care about uh, people. Uh, we care about uh, our planet. And actually, there is so much right now that's going on in the business. Uh, initiatives that we have created, all in, in, um, you know, in favor of supporting missions for uh, women in entrepreneurship, all in support of uh, women in um, many fields that my sister really had just uh, been very passionate about. So again, you know, being an inspiration to many women around her and to many people around her, I truly believe that 
My sister um, is a proud storyteller for the entire family of that dads. And I think that without their uh, sense of, without celebrating um, the values of the family with everything she does, I don't think really we would be here today. Tarek, let's continue to explore some of the things that you just talked about. And one of them is your comment that your business is more than just about making profit, but it's also about the broader societal impact that you can have. And you mentioned your support for people involved in the terrible fires that happened in 2016 in Fort McMurray. My father-in-law was one of the people who was up there that we were, we were so worried about him and what was going to happen. And thankfully, he came out of that safely. But how did that experience then help you to evolve your Peace on Earth Society and the broader social purpose you continue to pursue today? I am a big, I'm a big believer that business as a platform of leadership has a moral responsibility towards giving back to the community. Because if you would think about it, uh, communities are made out of people. Organizations are made up of people. Societies are made out of people. Uh, governments are made out of people. Everywhere you go, you have to understand that dealing with people and understanding the needs of people is the first thing you need to do. Or you would be very, you'd be a failure in business. That's why I was thinking about the people that I really, that really matter to us the most. And when I thought about it, it was everyone. It was everyone around us. It was everyone who stepped up in the first week of our days at the farmer's markets and paid their first $10 to buy a chocolate box that we recycled again in the growth of the business. It was those even in the western side of Canada who called me after my first interview with CBC back in 2016 and said, congratulations, and they sent me cards in the mail. Those who I will never be able to thank in person probably, but I'm very grateful for their kind gesture. I, am, um, I was very honored, you know, with the community members who stepped in and gave us a $10,000 interest-free loan to buy our first chocolate machine. It's all the law of reciprocity. It is all the cycle of kindness. In business, there is the ROI, the return on investment, and there is the ROK, the return on kindness. The ROK is much more important than the ROI. And I truly believe that business as a whole is that cycle of celebrating kindness in many different forms, shapes, and shapes as well. And that's why the Peace and Earth Society was born, because uh, we have started that society to form um, uh, some official farmer uh, partnerships, but at the same time, make sure that we have something that we can tell people about when we are giving back to the community. And the storytelling of giving back is as important as really the action of giving back, especially in the time of anxiety, especially in the time of negativity. You have to wear your values on your sleeve. And the Peace on Earth Society is our values of passion, enthusiasm, advocacy, contribution, and excellence. This is how intertwined Peace by Chocolate is with the Peace on Earth Society. These partnerships that we have formed early on with the Red Cross and later on with Indigenous communities across Canada, like in Bucknick, with the Indigenous community, the Mi'kmaq Indigenous community, like with Refugee Hub in Ottawa to support refugees and their integration journey, like the homeless supporting the homeless youth in the city of Halifax with Phoenix with programs, programs with the Trans Canada Trail to maintain the trail for millions of Canadians across the country, and recently with uh, many partnerships with the International Institute, with the Institute for Economics and Peace to produce. And this organization that produces the Global Peace Index. Um, and during the earthquake that hit um, Syria and, and Turkey, 
we were very shocked to the core of our existence and we wanted our business to play a role. That's why we released a campaign within 24 hours after the earthquake with uh, proceeds of our products to go towards that fund uh, of the Syria Turkey uh, earthquake relief fund. And we established a portal with the cross. The same thing happened during the war in Ukraine. We were lucky to establish a portal with the cross and really translate um, our business ideologies, our business values, our mission and our vision into campaigns that can give back to those that they are mostly need, but also provide a platform for Canadians who are asking, how can we help? And that's the beauty of building a business is you build a community of those who believe in what you believe in. That's what we found Canadians from coast to coast to coast reaching out to us and say, how can we help the Syrian and Turkish people after the earthquake? How can we help Ukrainians? Our chocolate bar that we created that has a Ukrainian flag on it that says Mir, which means peace in Ukrainian, has been to Ukraine, has been gifted to President Zelensky. Our chocolate bars that really had been uh, early on, you know, on the mission to give back to many peace building projects, three to five percent of the profit of all the company goes to the peace in our society, as you would see on our website. And a lot of those parts ended up in many high positions and just recently with President Joe Biden. One of the things that I've read as a quotation from you is that out of all of the Canadian values, our most important one is love. Canada is a loving nation. Let's not forget that. How do these words inspire and inform how you think about what you'll do next? Uh, without love, I... I mean, I'm simply have been still a, a refugee struggling with the crisis one after another from surviving a war to economic crisis in Lebanon to the conflict sensitivity that Lebanon is living right now to the economic crash during and after the pandemic to living through the whole three years of COVID-19. And I think that without love, uh, we wouldn't be as valuable as human beings. You know, the only difference between us and other species on this planet is that we are social animals, right? And we get together in the times of crisis and we provide support and we protect each other. And I think love is the reason why we do that. We love each other. Although it might seem that the world is going to the apocalypse with so much anxiety up there, out there in the media right now, talking about all negative stories about hatred and countries closing their borders and, uh, you know, everyone who is just complaining about really the things that we take for granted, even in first world countries. I truly believe that we are a loving nation for many reasons. Canada is a country of respect. Canada is a country of empathy, compassion, peace, acceptance, and most importantly, a country of love, as you mentioned. We are a, a nice country, not because we are... Uh, you, we are human beings. We are simply not human beings. We are great at being humans. And the, that's the difference that really differentiates us from many other nations across the globe. To give you an example there, Duncan, when I was in the, the most need in my life to have another chance, of, uh, a seed of a fresh beginning, um, I applied to 14 embassies in Lebanon. And every time I was hoping that someone would get back to me or I knocked on the door of each one of those embassies, they would tell me, sorry, but because you were born in Syria, then you are not welcome in our country. And recently that happened in the United States because where you are born was determining how much welcome you are going to receive in each one of those countries. And Canada was the only place that invited me without any prejudices. 
that invited me without any expectations. The only expectation that I had is that I would respect the charter of the human rights and freedom in this country, and I will follow the law, and I will become a proud Canadian citizen. And I pledge to the country that opened the doors for me, and I was welcomed in, in Toronto in 2015, in December, that I will be um, the proudest Canadian citizen you will always see. And I will always cherish the memories of me going around this country and meeting senior leaders, prime ministers, former prime ministers, uh, indigenous chiefs and uh, athletes and those who won in the Olympics. I've been to almost every major Canadian city so far in the past seven years. And every time I travel around this country, I feel how blessed we are because trust me, other nations around the planet, they do not have the values that we have. And I think we need to be uh, very much proud to call Canada really the greatest country with the best brand across the world. You know, I always follow all the trends from World Index and I always find out the, the best countries that we're voted to live in. Canada is always in the top five or the top 10. Canada is the best, has the best brand across the globe right now. And I think Canadians are very well respected across the globe because we are engaged on the world stage not by engaging in, in, in wars, not engaging in conflict, actually. We are there in conflict resolutions. We are there in peacekeeping. And Canada actually was the inspiration behind our brand. Canada is the reason why we call the company Peace by Chocolate, because Canada created the peacekeeping missions that kept Syria uh, a safe country for so long, you know, and Golan Heights. And without that, you know, I've... Um, I, would, I don't think we would have been able to, uh, to live in Syria until we left in 2012. It is, we had, I heard many amazing stories from Canadians who were in the Middle East uh, before the war, Canadians who served at the Canadian embassy or in the peacekeeping missions, and they kept telling me how lucky you know, they were to, to experience the Syrian hospitality. It is really great to reflect as well on the place that I came from, because my grandmother used to always say, you have to know where you come from to know where you're going. And in the times of test right now, Canada is best. Canada is our family. Uh, and you know that I think I'm very hopeful for what the future is holding for our country. I'm very hopeful towards where we can go uh, with our ambitions. Uh, I think you know, we can create the future and the world is gonna follow us into tomorrow. Uh, we need to imagine infinite possibilities and work hard to create them. Because trust me, in a time when it is much easier to turn your face and say, oh, what's happening in Ukraine is not my problem, or what's happening in refugee camps in Somalia or in Syria or anywhere else is not my problem. You can do that. And that's what other countries do. But Canadians choose the hardest way. Canadians don't turn their faces. They actually turn to the people who are suffering and say, welcome to Canada and welcome home. And you know, what do you need more than that? I was um, very proud to become a Canadian citizen back in 2020. I was sworn in a Canadian citizen. And when I was sworn in, I always said that I did not sign up to Canada's excellence only. I also owned its mistakes and failures. Canada is not a perfect country. We are a great country, but we are not perfect yet. And I want to make sure that I leave this country better uh, for my kids in the future and for my grandkids because that's how we improve and that's how we make sure that this country is, is leading the world with values like compassion and love. Because trust me, without those, we wouldn't have a Canadian identity in the first place.
Well, Tarek, I, I can't thank you enough for the time that you spent talking with us today. And and of the many wonderful things that you have said, the, the comment about not just a nation of humans, but a nation that aspires to be great humans and great humanity is a wonderful way, I think, for everyone who listens to this podcast to think about what does it mean to have the courage to rise above your own self-interest and contribute to a greater country and a greater world. And I can't thank you enough for sharing that with us. As we come to a close, I know very recently when President Biden visited Ottawa that a gift was given to him of a piece by chocolate bar. And I'm just wondering how that made you and your family feel that that was a, a gift that was given to him to understand our country. We were over the moon. We were pinching ourselves for, for days and weeks. And we couldn't really believe what just happened. I just always said that this is only possible in Canada. This is the magic of being in Canada. Imagine being a family that landed here seven years ago, and then seven years later, you are this Canadian story that's being told to the president of the United States on his first official visit. There is um, no bigger honor than that, to be honest. But at the same time, I really hope that Americans, the Americans are going to learn from our story of how kindness is a win-win deal. When you offer kindness, you're going to get kindness back. And uh, because Canada is, is leading the world, you know, with um, sponsorships for refugees to resettle in the country, I am very happy and very thrilled to hear that there is a direction to increase the spots for the United States uh, organizations and groups to bring in more refugees and help immigrants resettle. We are in, on Turtle Island. I'm speaking to you uh, from Mi'kma'ki, and I truly believe that um, we have to reflect all the time on the roots of this nation. You have to reflect on the roots of Canada and the, the roots of the United States. And that's actually the beauty of our connection as newcomers with indigenous people. And that's the story of Peace by Chocolate and the bar that was gifted to the president. It says peace in English, that it was second after the Wanta Udi bar, which we created, which means peace in Mi'kmaq. And it was selected very carefully by Elizabeth May because she saw the bar in the hands of Nancy Pelosi and a picture of our on our wall uh, in Antigonish, in the Antigonish store. And she was inspired by the idea to bring nations together with chocolate. What a sweet way, what a sweet way to tell the world that nothing is impossible with a little bit of chocolate and a little bit of peace. Again, Tarek, thank you so much today for this time, for this wonderful conversation. I wish you and your family great good fortune and prosperity and peace. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Tarek Hadhat is the CEO of Peace by Chocolate. I'm your host, Duncan Sinclair. This podcast is a production of the Walrus Lab. Thank you to our producer, Camille Hemming, and to the team here at Deloitte. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and tune in again soon to meet our next courageous leader.